big welcome to you if it's your first time with us. We're carrying on with our mission launch series. So in March of this year, we are taking some time to think about what it means to be on mission for God, to be launched out into the doing the things that he's called us uh, to do. And if you're part of our church, I really hope that you've, you know, you've all received uh, the Mother's Day cards that we sent out. If you haven't, uh, let us know. Uh, we'll see if we can get some sent out to you. Uh, and also our new uh, One Church flyers, which also advertise uh, the upcoming Alpha course on the back. And so these are reminders to you that you have seeds to plant, that you have a message to share, that you have people around you that you are in contact with, that God's put you in contact with so that you can make a difference in their lives with the truth of God's word. And so we just want this to be a reminder of that. And, you know, in the Bible, when it talks about people coming to faith, growing in faith, coming to an understanding of who God is and what that means, that is often described in the Bible as a seed that has been planted, that is now taking root and growing, hence the seeds that we sent out in that Mother's Day parcel this week. And so what I want to talk to you about today in my message is that God will grow the seeds that we sow. God will grow the seeds that we sow. That's the title of my message to you today. You know, every one of us that is a believer, we have been brought into God's family, into connection with God, because people planted the seeds Maybe it was your 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 parents, uh, your teachers at school or Sunday school teachers that planted those seeds of faith and then they grew over time. And maybe today you're watching and, you know, God's drawn you to this place. Maybe you've heard about Jesus. Maybe you've heard about faith. But now it's time to explore those things. God's drawn you in. And I've seen many times of how he does that. You know, we as people... As Christians, you know, we can't make anyone believe. We can't make anyone change their mind about God, really. But God does involve us in the process of planting seeds, watering seeds of faith. But ultimately, God is the one who brings us into relationship. God is ultimately the one who saves us. And so that is really important for us to know. And I want to look at a scripture today a few scriptures with you that really clarify what it means to be involved in God's process of people coming to faith people being saved people coming to the knowledge of the truth you know in first Timothy chapter 2 it talks about how God wants all people everyone to come to the knowledge of the truth to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth and so if God wants all people to come to that truth how is that going to happen it happens with our involvement. It happens with people sharing, people planting, and people watering the seeds that have been planted. So today I want to look at a section of scripture with you that's in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. And this is when the Apostle Paul is reminding this new church congregation, one of the first uh, non-Jewish congregations, to know why they came into the faith, how they came into the faith, 
and how that process came about to clarify some issues that they were having because some had an allegiance to Paul, who was the first one to preach the message of Christ to them. And some have a message to Apollos, who was a Bible teacher. And Paul is just trying to clarify this whole misunderstanding of who it is that saved them and you know who it is that their allegiance ultimately uh, goes to. And th these scriptures that I'm going to look at today, this and some others, uh, are going to really help clarify some things. And I really believe God's going to speak to you and encourage you today. Maybe you have friends and loved ones that you feel like you've been planting the seeds and watering the seeds and you haven't seen those results yet of people come to faith and you've felt discouraged, this is a message for you as well. And so let's look at this scripture today. First Corinthians chapter three, reading from verses five through nine. And this is when Paul asks the Corinthian church this question, what after all is Apollos and what is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe as the Lord has assigned to each his task I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. The one who plants and the one who waters has one purpose, and they will each be rewarded according to their own labor. For we are God's co-workers in God's service. You are God's field. God's building. So that's 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 5 through 9. And I really <clears throat> going to have a glass of water because I've got some communion still sitting there in my throat. Apologies there. I really love this scripture because it clarifies things through us. It clarifies things for us in terms of understanding that God is the one who saves people. God is the one who commissions us. God is the one who has tasks for us, but that we're involved in the process of seeing people come to faith. And God is the one who ultimately oversees all of it. And I wonder if we see it that way as well. I wonder if we have that true understanding, that true healthy understanding of what it means to not only be planting the seeds, but also watering the seeds, to be led by God in seeing a harvest of people come to faith. I remember a few years ago, I was working in an office in Cambridge and I worked there for over four years and it was for international students learning English. And some of the staff were interns as well, uh, international most of, mostly. And so there was one intern who was there. He was the first one I worked alongside on the last day he was going to be working with us, this last Friday, it was a beautiful morning, just like it is today. And uh, I was leaving the house and I felt like I should grab my French Bible. I had a few copies of French Bibles on my shelf and, uh, and I put it in my bag and I brought it with me to work because I felt like I was supposed to give it to him. And so anyway, I get to work and uh, it comes to a point in the day where I'm thanking him, I'm saying goodbye. And I say to him, I want to give you a, a thank you gift and a goodbye gift just from me. And I pull out this French Bible and I put it in his hand. And he is so shocked that I've given him a French Bible. And I'm thinking, oh, no, what have I done? 
have I upset him? But he was like, whoa, this is, he was putting his hands over his mouth. He was in complete shock and I didn't know why. And then he explained to me that only the night before he had been having a Skype conversation with his mum back in France, talking about his plans to travel back home. And one of the things he asked her on that phone call was, how do I get a Bible in French so that I can read it when I get home? And the next morning, God tells me, get your French Bible, give it to him. And, I, and it was the very next day. Isn't that amazing? So God, you know, supernaturally orchestrates, you know, the things that we do. You know, sometimes we think the things that we're doing or where we live or whatever or our job are completely random. And God knows exactly what he's doing. We're God's workers in God's field, you know. And, you know, Mark Greenwood shared a great message last week of what it means to be serving on mission for God. And it means seeing the tasks at hand, seeing the opportunities at hand, and seeing what God has tailored to you, what he's asked you to do, with the full knowledge of this, that you will be rewarded for your work, your kingdom labor, what you do in the kingdom of God, your obedience will be rewarded by him. That's what Paul was telling the Corinthian church here. And so, you know, when it comes to serving, for example, in the life of the church, you're not just serving to help the team out. You're not just helping because there's a need. You're serving because God has assigned something for you to do. You know, when you give to the church with your time, uh, with your finances, with, you know, whatever it is that God has given you to resource the preaching of the gospel and the mission of the church. It's so that God can partner with you and through you. And it's all for the same cause, you know, just like, you know, the person preaching at the front that day, you have just as much of an important role to play as that person, as that man and woman, you know, and we don't always see it that way. We think, I'm just doing this, I'm just doing that. No, you are planting seeds. You are watering seeds. I often think that the place that makes the most impression in a church is not just the service, the content of how good the message was or the music was. It's how, what were people like? Were they welcoming? Were they friendly? Did they pray for them? Did they take time for them? Were they genuinely interested in them? You know, that is, that's preaching the gospel. That's conveying the personality of Christ to them and being the body of Christ as we are. And, you know, we are God's workers. We're God's co-workers. I love that expression that Paul uses. He uses it a few times in the New Testament. That we're God's co-workers, right? We're God's colleagues. We're not just co-workers with each other, the people we work alongside. We work with God. We partner with God in the work that he's doing, right? We're joining in with what he's already doing and adding value to that in our own unique way, in the way that the Lord has assigned. That's what Paul is saying there. The tasks, the assignments that God has assigned us to, you know, and that's what the Christian life is. Being a a co-laborer with God, with his people, right, in his world, in his assigned work, fulfilling his purposes and giving him glory. That's that's really the essence of what it means to be a Christian and, you know, loving people and all of that plays into that. And so, you know, you think about Paul and Apollos, you know, Apostle Paul, and of course, Apollos, the Bible teacher, the Bible expert, you know, they're quite different 
in terms of what they do, Paul was an apostle, which meant that he was a missionary preaching and starting new churches and then moving on and so on. And he was an evangelist, of course, because he was preaching to people so that they could come into the faith and then he'd form churches and move on. But Apollos was very different because Apollos was more of a pastor, more of a teacher, you know, taking time to expound the scriptures. And, you know, they had quite different roles. And that's what that's what Paul's getting at in this scripture. Of course, we know that there are also prophets in the body of Christ, people who hear from God and kind of indicate to the people of God what God is saying at any given moment in time. And don't forget as well, you might think I'm not any of those things, but don't forget how many giftings there are listed in the New Testament. Think about Romans chapter 12, when Paul is telling them of the different giftings that they have in the body of Christ and that the body of Christ, right, the people of God, the church, need to pull together with their giftings, with their ability, with their everything, so that the mission of God can be fulfilled. And so think about Romans 12, it lists things like the gift of hospitality. Wow. The gift of leadership, the gift of administration. We need that at our church. Amen. Uh, The gift of generosity, right? That God's given you a special grace to resource uh, and fund uh, important things that God wants to do, you know. Uh, Outward charity, that's another thing that's listed there. And, you know, it, it has this list of giftings and you know these are absolutely vital giftings in the life of the church and they're vital for god's purposes they're vital for the preaching of the gospel for the the kingdom of god to be expanded in the world around us and some of you could be delusional you know disillusioned i I should say in thinking well okay well i'm not like that person or i'm not gifted like that person i can't do that i can't do that don't focus on what you can't do really don't focus on what you can't do. God has given us all a special grace to do particular things. You know, some of you can do admin far better than I can. I can hear some amens out there right now. Um, There's also people who can do uh, hospitality. You know, you just create a welcoming environment, you know, and, and really that hospitality and evangelism go hand in hand because you're welcoming people into the faith and you're welcoming people uh you know in their own home i think the gift of hospitality is often expressed in making people feel at home in their own home i think that's a special gift in that people can carry so you know we're going to go back to of course meeting in church uh, meeting in person soon in april we're talking about this at the end of the service and uh, we'll be getting back to more regular in-person services from April. And there's going to be a need to serve. There's going to be a need to be doing things as time goes by. You know, maybe the kids' work will start up again and so on. And there's going to be a need. But remember that whatever you're asked to do, it's because God has something for you to serve in. And God has a mission in mind. And he wants to involve you in planting seeds and watering seeds, and God will grow the seeds that we sow. God saves people, we have a part to play. Let's never forget this principle of sowing and reaping, sowing seeds and watering seeds, right? Like I said earlier, some of you might feel discouraged at the moment that 
people who you love, people that you want to see come to the faith, haven't come to the faith, right? You think they're so close, but they haven't fully understood yet. Let's not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. That's Galatians 6, 9. The word of God says, do not give up. Do not give up praying. Do not give up talking. Sometimes we worry that we're going to be accused of ramming it down people's throats. Okay. Like I said, you cannot make anyone believe. You cannot convert anyone. You can't make someone a Christian. You can only lead them to the water. And that's what we need to do. We need to lead people, show people, be a witness to them. And that's what will happen. You know, oftentimes you need to understand this as well, that if you've got to a point where you're sharing with someone and they're not responding in an obvious way, don't forget that God is still working on them. Don't forget that sometimes it takes seed time for a seed to germinate, right? So these kind of parables and metaphors of a seed growing, you know, and, and watering a seed, okay, are really helpful to us. Because if you think about what, what when, when you're watering a seed that's been planted, okay, we've all put a seed in a pot, put soil in and watered it. Okay. We've all done that at some point. When you're watering the seed, when you're, you know, when you're working on the ground, you are creating an environment for growth. That's what Apollos did with his Bible teaching, right? And, you know, Matthew 13 is one of the best places in the scripture to, to go to understand this whole principle of sowing and reaping in terms of people coming to faith and understanding. So I want to read this to you. This is Matthew 13. Just want to quickly summarize it with you. And it's the the famous parable of the sower. And this is when Jesus in Matthew chapter 13 talks about a farmer who scatters seed in his field and some falls on the path, some falls on a rocky ground, some falls in the thorns and some falls on the good soil. And, you know, obviously, only the seed that landed in the good soil grew. And who the farmer represents in the parable, in this story that Jesus told, is God. And God's scattering the seed, right? He's scattering the message of the kingdom through his servants, through people who are going out and sharing the word. And the soil represents the different heart conditions, the different types of responses to the same word. Like I said, there's nothing often wrong with the seed that you're sowing. It's often the ground isn't ready at that particular time. So when Jesus later on in Matthew 13 explains the parable of the sower, he says these words. Listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed sown along the path. So that's one environment. The evil one snatches it away. They, they didn't understand it, right? You, you preach the gospel to them. They've heard the gospel, didn't understand it. Different scenario, the rocky ground. The seed falling on the rocky ground refers 
to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they only last a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Notice there that Jesus says this, that when trouble or persecution comes, when. That means it's not if it comes, it's when. It's when you make a confession of faith and you're saying, I believe Jesus is who he is. And then suddenly someone questions you on it or suddenly the pressure's on. Right. It might not be that kind of hardcore persecution, you know, life or death scenario. It may be just social pressure, you know, and then quickly fall away or, or whatever it is or something bad happens in your life. Right. Trouble comes. You know, trouble or persecution, Jesus says. And while God allowed that to happen, he can't be good, you know. So if you think about that, someone believes that Jesus died on the cross for them, stepped out of heaven, stepped down to earth, became a man, lived a sinful, sinless life, and died for sinful people like me and you that didn't deserve the free gift of life. Then he rose from the dead. And you believe that, but you can't believe that he's good. You know, and oftentimes it's 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 to do with renewing our mind. You know, we read the Old Testament, you go, how could God do these things? Or how could God allow this to happen to me? Whatever it is, right? And yet we don't have that understanding, that appreciation. He's good, you know, and we're bad. And bad things happen in a bad world, but it's not because God is bad. It's because there's a separation between God and man that's allowed these things to happen. And so that's what comes with the knowledge of the word, right? And that's why it's so important to get rooted in a local church. And when someone makes a profession of faith, someone says, I believe in Jesus now, I want to get baptized. You don't just go, great, let's, that's great, carry on with your life. You know, it's, it's so important to be connected into the church, to be hearing the word of God, because then the, the roots of their faith, can go deep down into the word of God, can go and get the nutrients so that there can be life. You know, just like a plant can grow up on a, a rocky ground and has no roots and it just falls over. That's what that's what Jesus is saying. It's very similar with the thorns. The, the seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word and make it unfruitful. So, a seed lands in the thorn in, in the thorns, okay? And the deceitfulness of wealth, right? What does that mean? That means if I just had a bit more money, I'd be happy. If I just had a bit more money, then I believe God's really with me, right? Or whatever it is. Or I don't need God because I've got money, right? And that's a big problem in our society because we don't really understand lack or need. And Jesus elsewhere says it's hard for a rich man to come into the kingdom of heaven right? Why? Because if your needs have been met, if you don't understand what it needs means to have need, real need, then it's hard to actually see your need for God. And oftentimes when people have been in a place of need, that's when they go, you know what? I'm not all self-sufficient like I thought I was. I need something beyond me. And that's the mindset we don't always have in the West because, you know, we, we have our needs met. So, 
think about that, the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth, right? So that could be where things go really good or things go really bad, okay? It, it can be an environment for making things unfruitful. Again, it's all about the seeds growing up in the right environment. I'm not saying you're going to have a perfect life. I'm just saying that there are environments where because you're new in the faith, because you haven't had your mind renewed in the truth of God's word yet, then there can be a lack of fruitfulness. And um, so, but think about the fourth type of soil, the good soil. This is what Jesus says, but the saw, the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop yielding a hundred 60 or 30 times what was sown. So think about that. It's the same seed, but there's different environments where the seed could land at any given point. And it's the heart environment. It's the response to the same message that gives a different outcome in the end in terms of a, a real profession of faith. And so I've talked about being rooted and what that means, but I want to I wanna give you uh, a story a story that really encouraged me. And I felt actually the Lord reminded me of this uh, as I was preparing this message. And, you know, there's so many people around the world that don't know about God, don't know about Christ. And that is why we do all that we do to make sure as many people hear that we scatter the seed as far as everywhere that we can knowing that it will land in good soil, knowing that at times the soil might not be quite right. But I was reminded of a story of a missionary called Gladys Elwood. Let me hold up the book to you here, Gladys Elwood. And this is a painting of her on the cover of her book called The Little Woman, okay, because she was short in stature, but mighty in God, let me tell you. And she traveled to China by herself. British woman traveled by her ch to China by herself before the start of the Second World War because she had an urgency to preach the gospel to China where she knew that many, many people had not even heard about Jesus. And she just went, uh, traveled mainly by herself across Russia, down through China. And she gets there and she starts to uh, learn the language and she starts to reach out to orphans and, and look after them. And she's, you know, she starts living this incredible life for the glory of God there. And, and there's this one story I remember, and this really relates to the parable of the sower here, because there's, uh, there was this particular time where she felt that she was supposed to go and preach uh, in this rural area uh, that was on the map. And she was with this particular village. Uh, many of them were Christians there at that point. And she said, I feel like we need to go and share in this region of China. And they said, well, there's absolutely nothing there. They tried to convince her. There's no point going there. No one lives there. But one doctor who was quite keen to uh, find out if anything was there or not came with her. And uh, they travel, you know, by foot into this kind of, mountainy kind of area and it's quite tough because they're running out of food and they haven't seen anyone it's just becoming a little bit like what's the point why are we here but he starts to pray and they start to sing and they start to sing and at this point these uh, monks they're actually tibetan priests 
um, who live there in this kind of monastery come out to greet them as soon as they hear this singing. And these monks say to them, you must be here to tell us about the God who loves. And of course, they're completely shocked because, of course, they are. They're there to tell people about the Lord Jesus Christ and the message of the gospel. So they invite uh, Gladys and this doctor that she's traveling with into this temple. And they want to hear about Jesus. and They want to know what the gospel is. The reason why they did is because about four years before then, one of the priests had been in the city where they uh, do some trading. And on that particular day, this Tibetan priest had heard uh, an evangelist, I think it was an American evangelist, preaching the gospel and giving everyone gospel tracts that said, John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. And so they all got a copy of this tract and they took it back to their temple and they read it and they read it and they read it and they just didn't understand what it meant. So a year goes by and one of them, the first one uh, to get this tract, the one who'd been down in the city that day, said, I've got to go find out where this God lives, this God who loves. Uh, I've got to find out where he is. So they go into the, he goes into the city and he goes into the next town and he's asking everyone, does anyone know where the God who loves uh, lives? And eventually someone says, well, you should go to that building. And of course, it was the, the China Inland Mission and they were handing out Bibles. So they take these Bibles back to their temple on this mountainside where no one else lived. And they read Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. And they're absolutely fascinated with the person of Jesus. You know, God is really drawing them right and, and showing them the message of the gospel. But they still don't understand what they're supposed to do about it. They have no idea. They haven't met any other Christians or anyone who lives a life who knows this God. And, of course, no one is on that mountain. And no one sings on that mountain. And so when they heard singing, they knew straight away in their hearts, those people singing must know where that God lives. So that's how they ended up getting invited into that temple and sharing the gospel. And... This is what Gladys says in her book um, after she preached the gospel to all these this community. There's about 500 of them in total in this community, mainly refugees that were living there at that point. And it says, we did not ask these men if they were saved. I did not know if they came out from the Lamasery. That's like the monastery. I had preached his gospel in, in this place that God had appointed. I left the rest to him and the work of the Holy Spirit. No lamasery stands on that beautiful hillside now, for the communists destroyed it and drove away all its inmates. What happened to those 500 lamas? I often wonder that many of them believed, trusted and received salvation. I have no shadow of a doubt. God had prepared the soil Dr. Huang and I were proud to be used as his messengers. Only in eternity will we ever learn the result of one of the strangest weeks I've ever spent. That is just great. Fantastic read if you can get a hold of that. And, you know, isn't that amazing? All out of a desire to see people who hadn't heard the gospel hear it. In Romans 10, it says, how will they call on him 
in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching to them? And those monks, those priests said when they read Matthew chapter 28 in their Bible reading, they read, go into all the world and preach the gospel. And they waited for three years saying, God will one day send a missionary to this hill to preach the gospel to us. And then she came. Isn't that amazing? God is preparing the soil, but he involves us in the planting of seeds and the preparation of soil for growth, for kingdom growth, for people to believe and call on him. I want to share this final thought. And it relates to what we've been through in the last 12 months with lockdowns and everything that's related to COVID-19. Do you remember what happened at the end of the First World War? When all the shelling, all the artillery, all the bombs stopped when the peace treaty was signed in 1918. There were fields where they'd been fighting. There had been millions of, of young men who had given their lives on the battlefields. But something strange started to happen once the fighting had stopped. You see, these red plants started to emerge from the ground everywhere, poppies. And the soldiers thought, these red plants, these poppies, they must be red because of the blood that went into the ground. Of course, that's definitely not the case. That's not how it works in the world of plants. Why those poppy seeds were now growing on the surface is because the bombardment, the bombing, had churned over the soil so that seeds that were deep down in the soil got brought up to the surface. And then when it was the right environment, the sunshine, the rain, they started to grow. Isn't that amazing? For many people across the world, they have had seeds planted. Your family members, people you know, even you yourself, if you're watching today, and you've not made that decision to follow Christ, seeds have been planted deep within. You've heard the gospel maybe long ago. And the chaos of this time has churned over the soil. Do you know, many people have been faced with the reality of their own mortality in this time. I've been given permission to share about Derek Prince. Uh, sorry, Derek, not Derek Prince. Apologies, because I've, I've, that's not his second name, but Derek who is part of our church for a very short period of time. He passed away from COVID-19 a few weeks ago, but he came to faith one Sunday morning because God had read to him. God, he had a revelation of Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. It was the same morning that Hannah shared the word about the good shepherd. The next week he joined our service and I was talking about what it means to be born again. And in the comments section of that service, he wrote, I believe I receive. And he'd already made a profession of faith, but he was confessing it. And I think many of you remember that. But he passed away. 
just a few weeks ago and his funeral was held yesterday morning, Saturday morning, which Malcolm and Cecile led. And you know, it's sad that he's passed away and we pray for his wife and his family because, you know, he was a healthy man and he came down with COVID at the start of this year and he passed away not long ago. And it's just hard, but he came to faith and he put his faith in Jesus. And the, the reason he put his faith in Jesus is because he had seeds planted. Malcolm kept sharing the word of God with him and praying. And we prayed. And God watered the, watered the soil and God brought the increase and God saved him. So did Malcolm make Derek a Christian? No. God did. But he used people. He used people at different times in our lives. He's going to use you for many different people. You need to see the opportunities. We, we can't be caught up on seeing instant results. Just sh sharing and just hoping there and then it's going to happen. It doesn't always happen that way. It doesn't happen when you plant seeds. It won't happen with, with real people. There's often a process and a time. But we must step into doing the work of God's field, God's harvest, because there's so many lives to be saved. If you have been watching today and you're aware that God's real, you're aware that Jesus died for you, that he rose on the third day and that he's now inviting you into faith that he's now inviting you into eternal life through him and you haven't said yes to that yet you've been at, at that point where if only one more thing happened or one more sign or one more this is now the moment to take a step of faith again with him and say i believe i receive Take a moment just to pray with me right now. Say these words. Say, Lord Jesus, I believe that you love me. I believe that you are the God who loves. I believe you sent your only son. That whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. And now I repent of my sins. And you can repent of those sins right now. If you want to say sorry for things that you know have been evil and sinful, you can say sorry to him now. I say, Lord, I repent. I turn from those things and I turn to you. I thank you. You paid the price for those sins. That I could be forgiven, that I could be free. I believe you. I receive you today. Come into my heart. Come into my life. Make me a new creation through the power of your spirit. Amen.